Now, you got fire insurance? Step over here and I'll show you my policy. None of this. This will only take a minute. Okay, wise guy. This is Rico Tubbs, my partner. This is Jerry Pedoza, Metro Vice. What the hell are you doing here? We're working Rojas, sonny. Working Rojas. I moved a couple pounds to one of his bodyguards. Now I'm trying to get an intro to the man himself. <laughs> You're too late, my man. Yeah, man, we're in negotiation away from selling this guy 20 keys and a, an extended vacation to a club fed. Don't tell me I did six weeks of legwork for nothing. Oh, no. We'll give you a call when we take Rojas down. This is the Vice of Miami podcast where your hosts, Mark and Tim, review the iconic TV show Miami Vice. Set against the backdrop of Miami's vibrant nightlife and drug trade, Miami Vice followed detectives Sonny Crockett and Ricardo Tubbs and the entire OCB team as they battled the scourge of the mid and late 80s. With its unforgettable characters, eclectic fashion, and epic soundtrack, Miami Vice captured the spirit of the times. Join us as we dive deep into the world of Miami Vice and explore the show's enduring legacy. And welcome back, Vice fans, to the Vice of Miami podcast for show number 62. Tim and I are always glad you're joining us, and we hope you enjoyed the last show covering Down for the Count Part 2. So as always, sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and enjoy the Vice of Miami podcast covering Season 3, Episode 14, Cuba Libre. And Tim, what do you think I have for my beverage today? Oh, I think you got something Christmassy. No, I made a Cuba Libre. A Cuba Libre. Yeah, Coke, a little lime juice, and a splash of uh, splash of rum. Quite tasty. <laughs> nice. Anyway, this episode is written by Eric Estrin and Michael Berlin, directed by Virgil W. Vogel, original air date January 23rd, 1987, and is the 58th episode overall. And Mark, the plot is for this episode, Crockett and Tubbs go undercover to move on a major Miami dealer and stumble into a, a runaway paramilitary group with blood in their sights and plans of their own for the deal money. All right, let's check out the guest stars and co-stars for this episode. First up, we've got Bison Carroll as FBI agent Jack Slade. Born September 21st, 1924 in New York, New York, he was an American actor. We really couldn't find much about Beeson, but here's a glimpse of his credits. Uh, his first TV appearance in 1964 was The Reporter. His first movie appearance in 1966 was Mr. Budwing. He was also in Seamus, Good Times. He was also the first Donald Penobscot to Margaret Houlihan in the MASH series. Uh, correction, Lieutenant Colonel Penobscot. That's how she always said it. <laughs> Too Scared to Scream in his final movie appearance in 2006 in Diggers. He passed away on March 15th, 2018. And next up, we have Joe Erla as Paco Zamora. Born on Christmas Day, 1958 in Pontiac, Michigan, Joe is an American actor. Again, more limited information is available, but here are some of Joe's credits. His first TV appearance in 1986 on The Equalizer. His first movie appearance, Wired, in 1989. Delta, Law & Order, Seinfeld, The Americans, The Wild Wedding, 
which was in 2017, and that was his most recent movie appearance. And on Chicago Med 2019 as his most recent TV appearance. We have Willie Colon as Armando Rojas, born April 28th, 1950 in New York, New York. Willie is an American jazz and salsa musician. Colon is a trombonist specializing in salsa and jazz beats, as well as a songwriter. He's released over 40 albums of music over his career, and he continues to perform live today. His acting career is limited to three additional credits, 1983's Vigilante, The Last Flight, and 1987's It Could Happen to You. And our last guest star is Ismael East Carlo as Victor Vasquez. Born January 29th, 1942 in Cabo Rojo, Puerto Rico, he is a Puerto Rican character actor. Some roles include Caribe in 1975, which is his first TV appearance, and Defiance 1980, his first movie appearance. He also appeared in Santa Barbara, Murder, She Wrote, Rock, Nash Bridges, Double Duty in 2009, which was his most recent movie appearance, and Undercovers, his most recent TV appearance in 2012. All right, let's round this out with our co-stars. We have Artie Maleski as Suarez, Judy Mastropolo as Yolanda Vasquez, and Jorge Mato as Octavio. Mark, I found a little bit of uh, Miami Vice in the news. According to Wikipedia, Edward James Olmos is listed as a cast member for two upcoming movies. One, the first one is called One Fast Move, and the second, Outlaw Posse. His character in both movies and the release dates are yet to be announced. Our episode begins with some opening night shots of Miami that cues in on a Coke party where Crockett and Tubbs are posing as Cooper and Burnett. Meanwhile, a group of mass militants are disembarking a boat outside of the home of drug dealer Rojas and immediately take out a guard. One of the crew is a woman who sheds her fatigues and is seen then in a party dress. She enters the party unnoticed. And Tim, I had a note here. Are we to believe here that she doesn't stink like a wetsuit and had uh, makeup on hand to look all, you know, suave and debonet, like she wouldn't mm-hmm. s- stick out like a sore thumb? And you know what? I noticed, you know, if she was so, she was pointed out, you know, a woman in this dress, she was only in the scene. She wasn't anything else. You think she would be a bigger role, you know? Exactly. You you never saw her again, I don't yep. believe, in the show. So anyway, Crock and Tubbs are seen cavorting with party chicks when an undercover Metro Vice officer, Jerry Padosa, pulls Crockett aside. He is then introduced to Tubbs and tells the pair he sold a couple keys to a bodyguard to get closer to drug dealer Rojas. Crockett and Tubbs laugh until they're about to complete a 20-key deal, and Cooper and Burnett uh, go with Rojas to conduct business. Meanwhile, Pedosa sees that militant chick talking into a mic on like a, she had like a strap on her dress. And he then goes to find Crockett and Tubbs. But this is where what appears to be an apparent ripoff that's beginning. Crockett and Tubbs are in this room with Rojas to conduct business when these militants and fatigues enter and they demand that Rojas open his safe uh, in the office. Jerry comes upstairs calling up Burnett's name, telling him that somebody's messing with his car. 
and one of the thugs shoots through the door and drops Jerry. Rojas being under duress just can't open a safe. He can't remember the combination, whatever. The militants get twitchy. They shoot Rojas. As they open the door, Jerry falls down and he takes a shot at the escaping villains. And then in typical Miami Vice fashion, we have a shootout and we see that the thugs had escaped by a rappelling hook. Later on in that evening, Switek is on scene with uh, a Metro deputy to process the scene. And then he's going to pop the trunk and he says to the deputy while winking, the warrant's on its way, right? <laughs> right. Uh-huh. And, and well, he pops it, he pops the trunk anyway, but I like his face in the net. <laughs> That little wink that he did, it was perfect. Brought right right back to the comedic relief there. But I noticed yep. maybe a little goof. He he didn't really screw this in like we typically would do in uh, vehicle extrication where you got to screw it in and stuff like that. He mm-hmm. just kind of holds it there and pops it out. And you could see this lock was like, whatever. It just wasn't good. But whatever. That's a firefighter mm-hmm. us looking at it. <laughs> yes. So now we are at OCB. Crockett and Tubbs are here uh, giving Castillo a rundown on the evening shootout and activities. He asks them who else knew about the Rojas deal, and Tubbs tell him pretty much the whole world did, and gives Marty an A-list of partygoers of major players who were in attendance, I guess. If you were hot in the drug scene, you were going to be there. It wasn't really a secret, I guess. They tell him about Pedosa's operations and relate that the shooters probably didn't even know that he was a cop. Uh, Switek calls in and tells Marty that Rojas here had $400,000 in buy money in his trunk. Marty tells Crockett and Tubbs to talk to Jerry's partner, Ralph, who has uh, who may have some leads that they could run down on this. Uh, so they go see Ralph, and he tells Crockett and Tubbs he was supposed to be at the party, but took the night off to celebrate his anniversary with his wife. Uh, he tells Crockett and Tubbs that a snitch named Roki Flores turned Jerry and himself onto Rojas. And this guy, Roki, is a valet at the Coconut Palms Country Club. So you think they'll pay him a visit? I think they will. Yeah. So anyway, here we find out. Crockett and Tubbs arrive at the Country Club to talk to Florence. Crockett tells Tubbs that he believes the shooters knew that Burnett and Cooper were at the party to make a deal with Rojas. He calls Metro then to place an order for 400K in flash money. Crockett tells Tubbs that he have to convince the shooters that they are in possession of the 400,000 since that is what they came looking for. Hub said, then said, if Metro drags their feet on this flash money, maybe I think he called him this idiot, meaning Flores, can lead them to the game. Croc and Tubbs nab Flores and tell him he's going down for deaths of Pedosa and Rojas because his info got them killed. Flores says, you know, prove it. Crockett says, I don't have to. He just has to dime him out to Rojas' people. Flores then relents and tells them he was approached by a Zamora and a Victor Vasquez. And Vic is from Gamma 37 back in the Bay of Pigs day. They told Flores that this was going to be a simple ripoff with no one being hurt or killed. Pair had Flores map out every room in the Rojas house. And I, I don't, do you remember, Mark, why he did, did he work for uh, Rojas? I don't, I don't know think how. so. I think maybe he was just kind of pimped out or something like that or found that he knew he knew people who knew people or something like that. It wasn't really specified, but it seems like he had the inside deal. I mean, how would he know what the house would look like? Maybe he valeted at the parties at houses sometimes there, but, or maybe he was like yeah. a, a waiter or something like that, you know? Just one of them un, un, unanswered right. questions. Exactly. Crockett tells Flores to save it as he pleads his case that there would be no deaths. 
Look, I don't want any trouble, all right? You already got some, Flores. We got a dead cop. And guess whose name came up in the lottery? Well, the last tip you gave got two people killed. It makes you an accessory. You can't prove that. <laughs> we got a real rocket scientist here. We don't gotta prove it, you knothead. All we gotta do is tell Rojas's people that you were the one that gave him the hot tip. Yeah. You gotta believe me. They told me it was just gonna be a nice, clean ripoff. Who? These two guys. A guy named Zamora and Vasquez. Victor Vasquez. From Gamma 37? Could be. The dude had me map out every room in the house, the grounds. Like he was planning some kind of D-Day, you know? Super careful. That's why I figured nobody was gonna get hurt. I swear, if I thought that anybody was gonna get hurt, come Save on. Save it. <laughs> you knothead. <laughs> you knothead, love that. So now we're at OCB here. Kraken uh, and Tubbs are going over stuff, and Shuri comes up and tells them that they really don't have access to Vac- Vasquez's jacket, and Zamora only has minor busts on his sheet. Doesn't really amount to much. All the major players at the party pretty much had no beefs with Rojas. It was just business as usual, obviously. And then in a comic relief scene, Crackett comes up to Stan to say, hey, don't you have an old flame who worked at the Justice Department? Maybe uh, ask her to sneak a peek at Vasquez's file. And Stan says, yeah, the only problem is is that Roberta used to be Robert before the operation. Crockett tells Stan, hey, you can still probably get a date with her. And he walks away and Stan, Stan mouths himself, get a date with her? That was funny. <laughs> a chick with a new wick. So uh, Crockett and Tubbs, they go to Marty's office and, and federal counterterrorism agent Jack Slate is there going over some things and uh, ask them if they think Vasquez is running with the nose crowd, the booger, sugar, nose candy and all that. He asks them if they know who they're talking about. And then Vasquez, he says Vasquez fought at the Bay of Pigs and is known as a hero. Slade tells them that it wasn't Vasquez who killed Rojas. And he scoffs at Kraken Tubbs relying on Flores' word. You got this little low-level punk valet guy you're gonna believe him or you're gonna believe us uh crockett tells him that they found four hundred thousand in rojas's car and that slade tells them that gamma 37 is defunct so it really is no big deal here and then crockett tells slade that they definitely need his help but slade replies that chasing vasquez will endanger a cuban-american operation that he cannot discuss so this is going to be like an international incident if you keep going further more or less uh, he needs solid evidence that it was Vasquez before sharing any further information. Otherwise, he's going to get a federal injunction, put a halt to everything. After a little bit back and forth here with uh, Crockett, Castillo intervened and tells Slade that a crime was committed in his town, and they're going to con- uh, they're going to continue to investigate that crime, and that he's going to fight any injunction just to investigate the crime itself. He tells Slade that it's the end of the con- uh, end of the conversation. So when Slade leaves, he tells Crockett and Tubbs not to put their names, uh, Castillo says not to put their names in any reports, as he will sign them and take the heat if anything uh, dim- diplomatic issues arise. He tells them, find Vasquez and make him an offer. Now we move on to finding Vasquez on his boat, where he gets a call from Burnett and how, you know, he never questioned how Burnett got his number, but, and he, Burnett tells him, Hey, I survived the Royal House party and he has no beef with Victor, but Vasquez denies knowing about the hit, but he, but Crockett tells him he has business. He might be interested in, he tells Crockett to meet him with, meet with him and come alone. Victor then makes a call and tells whoever's on the other end of the line to tell Zamora that there's a problem. Later on, Burnett shows up at Vasquez's home and tells Vic that whomever hit the party was too late because Burnett's partner, Cooper, 
completed the deal and has Rojas's cash that is just waiting for the taking. Zamora is also there, and Vasquez tells Burnett that, hey, we're not interested in this. And Zamora says, what he means to say is, we need to discuss it. Yeah, we're going to think about it, right? Yes. Zamora asks where, where they can find Burnett, and he tells him, on the St. Vitus dance at the Dade County Marina. Crockett tells him that the money isn't going to be there for long. Well, whoever hit that party last night was too late. Because my partner, Senor Cooper, had already closed his deal with Mr. Rojas. So what I'm saying is, Mr. Rojas's cash is now Mr. Cooper's cash. And it's just sitting there waiting for the taking. And we're saying we're not interested. Well, if 20% is too much, then I'll take what Flory's got. What he means is we need to discuss it. Where can we get in touch with you? Dade Marina, St. Vitus Dance. Don't take too long. That money won't be sitting there forever. So after Burnett leaves, Vic tells Zamora that this is not a good idea, and he does not want anything to interfere with Zamora's big plan. Samora tells Vic that this money will buy what a federal contact wants to sell and is not going to interfere with his plan. Samora says Cooper and Burnett aren't going to be a problem. However, Victor expresses worry about his own family, and Zamora says, good, stay worried and they will stay fine. Outside, Crocker receives a call from Tubbs, who tells him that Flores was killed by a professional. So back at OCB here, Crockett and Tubbs tell Marty that Flores was hit by a military sniper. It was a pretty clean hit. Gina confirms this as the ballistics reported uh, that he was killed with a 2.62 NATO casing, whatever that means. And a jungle boot print was found near the club. Marty tells Crockett and Tubbs that the flash money was refused from the higher ups because Slade put a stop to it. So in a twist of Castillo, you know, by the book type of stuff. Marty tells them to use the cash that was found in Rojas's trunk. Tubbs here is worried that Marty's going to lose his badge over this, that the money hasn't been impounded yet. And Marty just gives a quick little stare. Typical going, stare. Going out of, yeah, going out on his limb here for his guys. I mean, I guess he thinks that they're on to something. So we'll see. So now we're at some military compound, and we see some military training operations in progress as Vasquez meets with Zamora. And it's pretty much complaining that the media knows who killed Flores. Zamora is really unfazed by this. He doesn't care. Victor here retorts that his operation is getting too complicated, and then Zamora simplifies it for him. He wants the cash in two days, the limo route for the Cuban delegation. Otherwise, neither, neither will get what they want. He also tells Vasquez here to talk to Burnett, and then Vic retorts, you talk to him. He agreed to two operations. That's it. Zamora says, my country's more important than all this bullcrap going on here. Vic scoffs and says that Zamora was born in the U.S., not Cuba. Zamora accuses Vic of being afraid to fight. And Vic says maybe so, but his family's more important than fighting. So Zamora tells Vic here to go check out Burnett or he's not going to see his family again. Lowering the guillotine here on him, kind of. Yes. Putting the screws down. So we now move on to the St. Vitus dance where Crockett is reading. Then he hears movement on deck. He comes up and he finds Vasquez. And another one of the militants there. Slipping in a Burnett role, Burnett tells Vic that Cooper's going to launder the money through one of their mutual contacts. The cleaner will call Burnett once Cooper makes contact. Cooper will be alone in an apartment with the money, and Burnett will call Vic with the location to make the ripoff. But then Vic asks him, what's your angle? 
and he tells him that Cooper Burnham wants any wants to even the score. I think he, I believe he said smooth out his karma. Vic asks, why doesn't he take the money himself? And Bernard says that then he would be the guy, bad guy, but he wants to stick around a while be, because Miami has been very, very good to him. Vasquez tell Burnett he needs the money in two days or he's out. Well, again, back at OCB here, uh, Stan briefs the team on Vasquez's history. He's got a little uh, slideshow going. Meanwhile, in uh, medical school, he was pro Castro until Fidel became chummy with the Russians. <laughs> Victor joined the resistance. And as a result, he spent his junior year of med school in jail. As a federal agent, Slade was a contact for Gamma 37. And then the team here questions whether or not Slade owns Vasquez any favors. Ooh, now it's getting kind of sticky here. Marty says no to that. Crackett says that he and Vasquez and Zamora are into something more than a money ripoff. Marty tells Crackett he's fishing as their job is simply to find Pedrosa's uh, killer here. Cracker responds by saying that they have the killer in Victor. They just need to pin it on him. Tubbs tells Castillo whatever Vasquez is into, it is wrong. And I, I kind of like that there. Tubbs is always the even keel here. You know, it, it's just mm-hmm. wrong. We can't do this. Marty says it doesn't fit the man, but played out anyways. And then Stan asks uh, Castillo if they're using Rojas's cash. And Marty says yes. And oh, by the way, put a transmatter in the attache case. What could go wrong with this, right? What could go uh, wrong? Right. Marty tells uh, the team here, use the safe house on Coral Way. So now we're in a van and Victor diverts from going back to the St. Vitus dance and he takes Burnett elsewhere. Burnett gets twitchy and Vic tells him just relax. And then they arrive at a military compound and Burnett has to surrender his gun. Later, we see Zamora briefing his militants on Castro's deputy commissioner, who has been problematic for Cuban citizens, and he is their target. Vasquez interrupts and asks to speak with Zamora. During his conversation, Zamora has a change of heart and decides to deal with Cooper himself. Vasquez tells Zamora that vengeance is meaningless. Zamora scoffs and says, the world is ready for this. His ultimate target, we learn, is Castro himself. Zamora brings Victor to see his wife and son. They are fine. Now back at OCB here, Rico has the cash with the planted uh, transmitter inside it. Marty tells him that Stan and Crockett was supposed to call. Uh, Marty tells him and Stan that Crockett was supposed to call in three hours uh, three hours ago here. And then something just doesn't feel right. Uh, Tub says that he pretty much still has to go to the meet or Crockett's going to be gone for good. Got to keep the plan going, otherwise they're going to know something's up here. Meanwhile, Burnett here tells Zamora that the meet is set for noon, and he's not supposed to be there. Zamora tells Crockett here to get out of the van. Uh, This is definitely going to be a major hit, and then Crockett reminds Zamora that Vasquez told them to wear masks, you know, kind of stick to the plan type of thing. Crockett slash Burnett here is convinced Cooper is going to recognize Zamora and will be after Burnett. Zamora tells him that Cooper is going to die. Dun, dun, dun. So now we're at this uh, safe house here where they're supposed to be meeting tubs. Burnett asks to go to the door as Cooper here will recognize him. Zamora and crew will break in. They do break in and don't find Cooper there. Uh, Tubbs is outside waiting, kind of crouched down. I think he was by his car, actually, his convertible. And Mm -hmm. the rest of the OCB team is there as well. Uh, Zamora wants Burnett to find the money or he's dead. And then Burnett tells them no self-respecting dealer keeps cash inside the house. Don't you know this? He leads Zamora and crew outside. 
They pop the trunk and find the money. Boom. The OCB team, they make a loose tail on Zamora's van as they grab the money and get away. Now we're at some unknown location, and we see Vasquez and Slade are sitting in a car. Slade tells Vasquez that connecting with Zamora was how he found Victor. Vasquez asks Slade why he is filled with such vengeance. Slade blames Vasquez for trying to get him fired from his job. Victor says what Slade did was wrong. All Victor did was call him on it. Slade let Gamma down at the Bay of Pigs. He said that Slade, the Slade he knew would have been big enough to admit it. Slade tells him, tells Victor that his sentence makes him a mark. Victor tells him his bitterness makes him a fool. Slade tells him he is walking away with 650 in cash. And I haven't, I don't understand this math here where you go from 400K to 650 and how he gets all this money. I don't know. Uh, he tells Victor that if Vic survives the ops with Zamora, he will end up being nothing but a fugitive. He said nobody will believe that Victor was forced into killing the deputy commissioner of the Cuban prison system. It's happening the way you worked it up. I waited years for this. As soon as that idiot Zamora came along, I knew right away he was going to be my ticket to you. Do you think I ever trusted you? What changed you, Slade? What filled you with this sickness? How about one big mouth refugee who tried to get my job taken away? What you did was wrong. And all I did was call you on it. Let us down at the Bay of Pigs. Slate, I used to know would have been big enough to admit it. So sentimental, Victor. That's what makes you such a mark. Your bitterness is what makes you such a fool. Well, this fool is walking away with 650,000 cash. And even if you survive this move with Zamora, best you're going to be as a fugitive. I mean, killing the deputy of the Cuban prison system, who's going to believe that Victor Vasquez was forced to participate? Let's face it, Victor. I am finally making you a hero. So now we're in this uh, Zamora van. Zamora tells Victor that they're on their way. And Burnett tells Zamora he wants his cut. Give me my cash and I'm out of here. The cash is taken out of the case and put it into a different bag. And then the case is thrown out of van. Yeah. Like actually, what, you know, what, 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 what could have went wrong? wrong with this? <laughs> Didn't see that coming. Right. Uh, so the loose tail here that they had him is lost. Uh, Crockett sees Slade and Victor waiting for Zamora. His clever is going to be blown. Uh, he grabs the wheel and steers the van towards Slade's car. Crockett here jumps out and takes off, but Slade sees him and informs Zamora that Burnett's a cop. Oh, the jig is up. So mm-hmm. Crockett here, he's pursued into the wooded area by the uh, Zamora and his goons. He takes out one of the crew, but then it's stopped by Vazquez, who just pops up here. Uh, Victor wants a life for a life here. Crockett says he's already killed one cop too many. And Victor here says, no, that was on Zamora, and it was not supposed to happen. Crockett says, oh, well, too bad. It's on you, pal. Victor tells him his family's being held by Zamora at the command center. Uh, they're going to be left behind once the brigada leaves. Crockett here wants to know where they're going. Victor just wants his family out alive, and that's all he wants to do. Uh, Crockett knows, uh, wants to know Slade's involvement in this as well. And then Victor tells him, just get his family out. And let's, uh, and you know, let's let's take off. And he lets Crockett go. He fires a few rounds in the ground, I think, and yells to the other goons. Pretty much, he has a ruse to throw them off and let Crockett escape here. So now we have Crockett calling Tubbs from a payphone, and he tells him that the Brigada is much larger than the Gamma operation. He tells 
Tubbs to dig up what he can on Segunda Brigada. Also, he said, tell Marty that they will have to do this without Slade. Tubbs asked Crockett where he's at, basically, you know, so they could retrieve him. Uh, meanwhile, the Brigada is loading up for the hit on the commissioner. In a quick scene, Tubbs and Stan pick up Crockett. We go back to the Brigada and route to the kill site. Stan and Tubbs tell Crockett that during the Bay of Pigs, Slade did not supply Gamma 30 Cent with air support, and Vasquez reported him to the feds. Crockett tells them this is a more show. Tubbs questions Victor's involvement and tells Crockett uh, that they have his, his family. Crockett, Tubbs, and Stan arrive at the command center. They overpower a lone guard, and they rescue Vic's family. Crockett asks Mrs. Vasquez, where the Brigada went. So now we're at OCB. Tubbs calls Crockett, uh, I'm sorry, Castillo here, and tells him that the wife only knew the Brigada was en route to Key Biscayne. Uh, Trudy tells Marty that if he goes through Fed channels to stop this, Slade's going to know about it and put it, kind of screw everything up. He tells Trudy he wants to conference with SWAT to find out the limo location. He then calls Crockett, Tubbs, and Stan and asks them how long it's going to take to get to Route 107, and Crockett says they're just minutes away. So now... We're somewhere along the limo route in a wooded area. We see the OCB van en route to Route 107. And meanwhile, Zamora pays off Slade for the info on the limo route. Slade beats, uh, takes off in his car. The limo is approaching the Brigada's location. SWAT's getting into position and Marty's in the chopper. <laughs> He's in the chopper. <laughs> Elsewhere, Stan and Metro officers, they uh, pull over Slade. Slade IDs himself as a federal officer, and in a little comedic relief here, Quip, Stan IDs himself as Mammy Vice, and he's busted. Jack Slade, Fed. Stan Switek, Vice, you're busted. So <laughs> as the limo gets closer there, SWAT's moving in, and here we go, shootout begins. Uh, Vasquez. Stop Zamora from shooting at officers and gets shot in the process. Brigada members, they pretty much all surrender, throw their arms up, drop their weapons. But Zamora heads towards the limo with a Stinger missile. Where the heck did he get this thing from? He fires and uh -huh. misses. Figures. Crockett and Tubbs were in the limo themselves. They jump out and Crockett pops Zamora. The operation here is thwarted. Later on in the evening when all the investigations and stuff is going on with the ambulance... Marty brings Mrs. Vasquez to see her wounded husband, and then he tells her it's all over. Yolanda, it's all over. And Just going back to that stinger, if you remember earlier, I think, I believe it's when they first were at the compound or they showed it, one of the Brigada members fired a stinger off, and I think he either blew up a, oh, a, right. a half track or, or a jeep. Yeah. Right, right, that's right. I, I but where they got this, hmm, who knows, oh. still. All right, let's check out the ratings. IMDB gives us a 7.2. Tim, what say you? Eh, Mark, you know, this was an ordinary good police work episode. You know, there was a lot going on here with many different players and plot lines. Uh, the OCB team is convinced that Victor Vasquez is responsible for Jerry Pedosa's death. However, it was a Zamora operation and not a Vasquez operation. Slade was a dirty fed who double-crossed Vic's resistance during the Bay of Pigs. Not quite sure why he wanted to exact vengeance so many years later, but the bottom line was M-O-N-E-Y. Vasquez was drawn in when 
His family was held hostage by Zamora and company. I did love some of the Stan Switek comedic relief. It was nice to have that back in there. It's not a bad episode overall. You know, I would probably go a little bit higher than 7.2, maybe 7.5, 7.6, something like that. I mean, it was it was really a, with a lot of complicated plot lines. It was still a straightforward. We step into something bigger than what we were after in the Rojas deal. Right, right, exactly. Simple, sim- what should have been a simple story, simple drug bust or whatever, ended up with a lot of political and international entanglements, I guess you could say. Yeah, okay episode. It, it was simple. However, it did have different avenues that could have been played out a little bit better and more clear and concise. And yeah, you know, like you said, Stan is back with com- his comedic relief. Obviously, Zito's laid the rest. Who knows, like we asked last week, how long ago, or last episode, how long was this next episode? Was it a couple of months, you know, in the timeline of Mammy Vice? I knew right away of Castillo's, uh, when Castillo said, use the money from the trunk after getting denied flash money from administration. You know something was going to go wrong. You know when he said, I'll, I'll take the blame for it, something was going to screw up, and sure enough, they threw the briefcase out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just an okay episode, just enough to get back on track to good old vice work after Zero's death. Not, nothing spectacular, but yet not a total flop as uh, either. Uh, but the operation names here, Gamma 37, I thought maybe that was like you know a spaceship or something or a, a constellation uh, mm-hmm. or maybe a new hot dance club in the heart of Miami. And the Barada, maybe that could have been a new Italian sports car that Tubbs was going to be driving. Very weird names. It's kind of like weird names. They just threw them in there, like we know what it should have been. All right, now we're going to move on to some music here. The first up was Miami by Bob Seeger and the Silver Bullet Band, which was the opening sequence. At Rojas's party. I feel like holding on by Gwen Majors, which is when they were at the country club, and Gun Law by Kane Great Gang, end sequence with attempted commando hit on the diplomat. And we've got some John Hammer music showing up, quite a bit listed here. Turning Point, that was the opening scene. Russian Story, that's when the vice team speaks with Slade and OCB. Crockett's return, that's when Crockett and Vasquez were on the St. Vitus dance, and when the commandos hit the safe house, when the uh, when Vasquez was reunited with his family, and Crockett's theme, that's when Crockett was put into the van by the commandos. Anyway, we're going to move on to the Goose Fun Facts and Locations. Our first location, we have the Deering Estate showing up again. 16701 Southwest 72nd Avenue, Palmetto Bay, which is the opening scene party. And Tim, do you know what other episode it was in? Uh, I do not remember, Mark. Bushido. A first goof here. <laughs> when the commando with the rifle smashes the glass door to the safe house, it visibly moves, revealing it was not only unlocked, but actually open all along. And then, Tim, what does this go back to in the first thing in firefighter training on forcible entry? Pry before you pry. Pry before you pry. All right, we have a fun fact here. 
the opening credits still show Sandra Santiago's name over the Testarossa driving by and Michael Tablet stirring the first ocean view. The second shot of the ocean, previously with John Deal's name, is simply blank. On the cutting room floor. And our last location, Royal Court Motel, 10821 Biscayne Boulevard in Miami. That's when Crockett was at the payphone. All right, now let's go over the trivia portion of this episode. Last episode, we asked, when the high-speed evasive chase ends with a second mobster's car rolling over, Crockett stops just before exiting under a bridge. What was written on the bridge wall? The answer, fish dinner with an arrow pointing in that direction that Crockett left. And this show's trivia question is, what kind of car does Slade drive? You could post your answers on this episode's Facebook post, or you can email us at mammyvice at duck.com. And now we have arrived at Nerd's Chalkboard of Wisdom, where we hope to inspire, enlighten, or make you snicker a little. In both the world of Miami Vice and our current world at large, we encounter many challenges we work to overcome. In the interest of creating a family-friendly atmosphere through the show and on our social media, we would like to offer some parting thoughts, a simple quote, phrase, or words of encouragement, or a funny quip to you, our listeners, because without you, our lit friends, we just be talking to ourselves. And we say friends because that's what we consider all of you who follow our show and social media. This episode quote is, Walls keep everybody out. Boundaries show people where the door is. Mark Groves. And that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us on this review of Miami Vice. We hope you find this episode exciting and entertaining. If you enjoyed it, please consider subscribing to the podcast and following us on our social media channels to stay updated on our latest episodes. On Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, we are Vice of Miami Podcast. Your support means everything to us, and if you have a spare moment, Tim and I would be grateful if you could leave us a rating and review on those channels. Thanks again for listening, and can't wait to share more with you soon. So we'll catch you next time on the Vice of Miami Podcast on show 63, covering episode 15, Duty and Honor. Now...